0: Good morning. Uh, today is indeed a special day, and uh, we're going to start out with something that we haven't done in quite some time, and that is a baby dedication. What were you thinking, Tom? Oh, <laughs> Tom was thinking something else, but we're, we're thinking baby dedication this morning, so I'd like to invite the Cernas. We're... Oh, they're back here. All right. So come on up. Yeah, so, <laughs> all right, I just, uh, had my grandkids over last night, and, uh, they, uh, they were very tired, apparently, and they wanted to uh, have a, a nap on Jeep, on so they all laid on me and <laughs> fell asleep. So I'm, I'm more than uh, filled with joy when I have a child in my arms, and especially as we're going to dedicate him to the Lord. You know, in First uh, in Samuel, there's a story of a woman by the name of Hannah. Uh, hannah was without child Uh, she was barren and so of course the desire of her heart uh, was that she would she would have a child and as she went to worship the lord um, she was um, just filled with anguish in her heart and she started praying and uh and as she was praying because she was uh, just uh so desirous and so filled with, um, just, uh, 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 yes, and that too. (laughs) Just, uh, just desiring for the Lord to give her a child. She was praying and, uh, and she was told that she would be with child and she was indeed with child. Now what she promised though, is that she would dedicate her son, um, to the Lord and, uh, and she made good on that promise. As soon as uh, the child was weaned, um, the child was dedicated to the Lord in his service, and his name is Samuel. And he was used mightily by the Lord in so many different ways. Uh, he was a man who was used to anoint Saul, the first king of Israel, and, uh, and also David, uh, the, the king of Israel. Uh, and so, you know, the, the Bible tells us that uh, there is no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I was talking with Corey and Alexis earlier, and it's one thing as we raise our kids to see them, you know, open up the, the Bible and read the word to pray, to participate in, in, uh, uh, in the service of the Lord and ministry. Um, it's all, that's all one thing, and it's wonderful. It's encouraging as parents. It really is. But it's quite another when we start hearing from other people uh, that they're walking in the truth that they're a blessing, they're they're a blessing, they're participating, they are uh, participating in the fellowship of the saints, and that truly is a blessing, and it's honoring to parents. You know, this is a dedication not only of little Noah Luke, but it is also an outward confession and a declaration by Corey and Alexis that they uh, commit themselves to raising this child in the ways of the Lord. And so we're going to pray for Noah, but we're also going to pray for Corey and Alexis, that the Lord would give them strength and wisdom and discernment in the raising of little Noah in the ways of the Lord. And so, let's pray. Let's pray. And you can lay hands on on little Noah, your son. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you for this this gift of life, Lord. Such a Lord, such value that we uh, cannot comprehend, and yet, Father, you sent your son to die on the cross because of us, Lord, to redeem us, to reconcile us to the Father. And so I ask, Lord, that you would bless this child, Noah, Luke, Serna, and ask, Lord, that you would consecrate him, Lord, unto yourself, that he would be uh, this, this little boy who grows to be a young man who has his eyes fixed on you filled with wisdom filled with your spirit and lord is uh, is given himself lord to serve you and so father we we thank you for him we ask your blessing upon him we also pray for cory and alexis and ask father your blessing upon them and lord that you would give them patience and compassion lord that you would uh help them to be steadfast consistent lord in raising noah in the ways of the lord that they would share scripture and teach him lord that they would help him memorize it uh, lord that he would hide it in his heart and therefore not sin against you and so father we pray for them crown cory with wisdom lord as he leads his family and as noah sees him as an example of the man that he wants to be one day Mm -hmm. and so father we thank you lord we praise you and we pray pray all these things in jesus name amen amen all right (laughs) amen All right What a joy i'm uh you know as we as we consider the days in which we're living in, you know when when I see uh you know young babies we're dedicating them to the lord and and we see them growing in the Lord. To the point to where they they get to a certain point, and then within the fellowship, you see how it is that the Lord has been growing them in maturity, and, and then you start to um, see certain things in their lives to where you want to encourage them in the Lord even more, and so... Uh, They give themselves to uh, being discipled. They give themselves to to, to Bible study. They give themselves to participating in the body. And you see them grow like that. It's just such a blessing because we know that in this dark world, we need more of our kids being raised in the Lord and seeing them glorify the Lord as they are used by him and lead others to Christ as well. And so, you know, as this body grows uh, we're going to have more baby dedications. In fact, if you have not done that, I would encourage you to do so. And, uh, and that we may all um, just acknowledge what the Lord is uh, desiring to do in, in your own family. In that we can say amen as well as we dedicate them to the Lord. But um, this morning we are in the Gospel of Mark. We are in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter one, and we're going to be going over verses nine through 20, or nine through 15, 9 through fifteen. Uh, this is a continuation of the introduction to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, it's uh, it's going into this uh, this Gospel as it was written by John Mark. We covered last week um, uh, just who John Mark is, how he was used by the Lord, and he is the one who wrote this Gospel. Now we're going to read, uh, beginning in verse uh, 9, and read through what we're covering this morning. So, Mark chapter 1, verse 9. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Oh, Father, as we consider the things that we have just read and are about to study, I ask, Lord, that you would give us understanding, that your spirit would move freely, Lord, amongst ourselves here. And, Father, that you, by the spirit, would teach us all things that pertain to truth and godliness. Lord, that... You would have your way with us this morning, that you would encourage us by the good news of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, Lord, as we are encouraged by the hope we have in Christ, that you would also be our strength as we consider how it is that Jesus can identify with the temptations and the trials and the the tribulations that we experience on a daily basis. And yet, Lord, as was uh, spoken of earlier, Lord, when we are weak, We know that you are strong, and that you are faithful, and that you are with us. You will never leave us or forsake us, and you indeed love us with an everlasting love. And so, Father, may we hear from you what you have to say to us, Father, I pray that we would be attentive to it, and Lord, we would, Lord, allow you to minister to us as only you can. So we commit this time into your hands, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning we're going to continue to take a look at uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You know, last week we covered uh, his forerunner, John the Baptist. And now we're going to go into the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, really the preparation even uh, going into his ministry that are very important as we consider this. Consider our own lives in the Lord and how it is that if he is our example, how it is that we are to respond to uh, like things in our own lives. We see how his forerunner prepared the people for his reception, that the people would be more receptive and understand the message of reconciliation that requires repentance. And this is indeed what Jesus will preach We'll see the baptism of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus, and also the ministry of Jesus. And with this, we will very clearly see that the ministry of Jesus is the ministry of reconciliation. A restoring of our relationship for our sin has separated us from the Father. And so Jesus, the Son of God, was sent to die in our place that he would gap. That wide chasm between us and the Father that our deeds, our sacrifices, our words could never achieve. It is only through Jesus Christ that we are restored to the Father in relationship through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But Jesus' ministry included preparing others to testify of the truth and to lead others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Again, considering God and His character, considering Jesus the Son of God and what He did and how He responded to the things that He experienced in His own life. Those are things that we ought to pay attention to and consider as we go through our own circumstances and situations in our lives. You see, the gospel is the good news of God's grace through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We are indeed saved by God's grace through faith. And this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and even in these brief moments, we can learn a lot, and I pray that we would know how to apply them in our own lives, today and in subsequent days to come, if the Lord tarries. Again, his baptism, his temptation, and his ministry, this is his work, this is his love, and this is his example. So let's first take a look at his baptism, though, backing up. And we're going to back up one verse to verse 8 and then read through once more. I have baptized you with water. This is John the Baptist speaking. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 9, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open And the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. You know John one twenty nine says this. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. And said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Again this is speaking of John the Baptist. Peter writes in 1 Peter one nineteen, But with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Matthew three fourteen. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. You see, John understood that Jesus was sinly, sin, sinless. He was the unblemished lamb of God. He was the one who was to take away the sin of the world. Sinless, unblemished, perfect, There was no need for him to be baptized. Can you imagine Jesus coming to you? As you're just doing the work. And he comes into the water. Well, Of course, John looked upon him, knowing who he was in the moment. Jesus had no need of repentance. Remember what John was baptizing. This was the baptism of repentance. If Jesus was unblemished, the unblemished lamb of God, if he was one without sin, then why was he to be baptized? Um, Us in our baptism, we're identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what was he identifying with? He was identifying with you and I. He he was identifying with sinful man. And yet he was sinless. He humbled himself. Glory. Oh, his abode. It was veiled in a sense in the flesh. God in the flesh. He came and was baptized to identify with you and I. Always remember that Jesus did not have to do anything for fallen man. In fact, what do we deserve? Fallen man deserves judgment. That is all we deserve. We deserve absolutely nothing. And in this world, we feel so entitled. You know, as Jake said, in in America, we have at our fingertips really just almost anything that we want. We can do just about anything that we want to do. We can achieve so much. We have the liberties that really no, no other nation has, even today. And so we take many things for granted. And, and yes, I look around me and, and I see a lot of people who feel very entitled, very comfortable. In fact, if you, uh, if you threaten our comforts, we think that it's persecution or that it's some kind of tribulation that we're going through. That that we're in in this bad place and, and we start wondering if God really cares for us. And that's just with our comforts threatened or taken away from us. We take for granted many things. But God does not owe us anything. What really we are... we are ready to receive is is God's judgment. That's it. And yet, the Father sent the Son. The Father sent the Son for one purpose. Not to give you a wonderful life here on earth, but to give you the hope of heaven. To give you the joy of the Lord. To give you the certainty of God's glory. To... Pluck you out of hell and put you in a place that you will be in for all eternity in his presence. Because God desires that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Jesus didn't have to be baptized, but he was. Jesus didn't have to die on the cross, but he did. God loved us and demonstrated it to us through his son, Jesus Christ. God demonstrated his love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated that. Well, we know as we read here that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized. He was baptized and immediately, remember I told you that through the Gospel of Mark, that the word immediately, will you will see it over 40 times. Uh, We were talking after last week's message and uh Bettina, my wife, she said, you know, I never really noticed that. But now as I looked down and just kind of thumb through the gospel, I saw immediately that word just all over the place. And it speaks of it a, just a, a, an immediate action that takes place from one thing to the next. And so we need to pay attention when we see that word immediately. But Jesus, we know, was baptized. He came from... Nazareth in the region of Galilee and he came to the Jordan he came to John the Baptist and he stepped into the water and he was baptized and immediately when Jesus came up out of the water it says he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove it wasn't a dove but it was like a dove it was a beautiful, beautiful scene As you can imagine, the sun was shining, the birds were chirping, and there was a gentle breeze that passed through the tall grass that outlined the cool water of the Jordan. And the Spirit descended on him like a dove. I, I, I think about the serenity that we oftentimes see depicted in movies. You know, of that moment, right? When the heavens were torn open, And a voice came from heaven. I I think of that with the perspective of people here on earth. From the heavens, of course, this is indeed a, a moment that was ordained by God, it was planned and followed through with by the Father. And as he came up and out of the water, we, we hear, to top it all off, we, we hear a voice from heaven. Can you imagine if right now, clearly, you would hear as, as if it was just for you a voice from heaven, and it was clear to all of you? Didn't come through these speakers, it just, it just came to you. How would you feel? In, in that moment. We'd be silent. Perhaps we may be terrified, right? See, this is a display of God's awesome glory. In this moment, that, that's what we need to realize. You know, um, the first miracle that Jesus performed was at the wedding in Cana, right but it 's not the first miracle that we hear about in the Bible, even in this moment it's it's a miracle that happened here it, it's it's truly wonderful that that God even sent his son it, it's a miracle that, as they looked up they, they saw the heavens torn open it 's a miracle that anyone heard the voice of God in the manner that they did. The description of the heavens being torn open is a miraculous, it's a sudden event that is really inexplicable. Other than the skies were torn in two, it was ripped apart. How could you explain? You look up. You look up. Like last night, I was outside in the evening. I was looking up. And my granddaughter asked me, JeEPO, uh, how many stars do you see in the sky? Unfortunately, I can count them <laughs> because of the, the glare of the, of the city lights, right? I'm like, yeah, I can see I can see about a hundred. but can you imagine looking up in that moment? I, I don't even know how to explain the tearing apart of the heavens, but it's just it just tore in two, opening and seeing. The Spirit descending like a dove and resting upon Christ. And then there was a voice from heaven that spoke. Consider who God is in your life. This was nothing to the Lord. If God is for us, who can be against us? What is your main goal in life is it to please self or is it to please God? Who do you trust in as you 're going through different things? I know we have multiple families here, and I know that you 're going through something. If not now, you did, or you will it just who do we who do we trust in? This is our God i 'm sure this left everyone speechless. It was an awesome and fearful moment all at the same time. They were all filled with wonder and fear. What we also see here is the Trinity. God the Father speaks. God the Spirit descends upon the Son. And God the Son is baptized. We see the Trinity right here. And as we consider all of this, we we need to look to Jesus. What was Jesus doing in this very moment? He was doing one thing. He was fulfilling the will of the Father. That's all he was doing. Obediently. Doing that which God had planned before the foundations of the, of the earth. The universe. He was being baptized to identify with sinful men. Jesus' baptism was a baptism to begin his journey to the cross. That's what it was. And again, I remind you, it was, it was a journey to the cross to fulfill the plan and purposes of the Father. He knew it would be a difficult one, as we will see how Jesus was baptized, and immediately, there's that word again, immediately was driven by the Spirit out into the wilderness where he was tempted. So, number one, baptism. We see his baptism, and we see his obedience in baptism. But secondly, we see how it was that he was driven into the wilderness by the Spirit. Verse 12 says, The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. You know, 40 is a number that is often related to testing or to judgment. Uh, With the flood, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses kept sheep in the wilderness for 40 years. And Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days. Now, it would have been... If you think of spiritual preparation, like... Sometimes you, you, uh, you sense the calling of the Lord to prepare you uh, to go further into ministry. Um, or you just sense that the Lord is preparing you for more in your own lives uh, to grow in Him, uh, to grow deeper in your understanding of God's Word, to be used by Him in some way, shape, or form. And you think it would be, be wonderful to get away and to just spend time with the Lord in prayer, perhaps fasting, and then just reading God's Word and just spending time with Him. And it'll be a time that is wonderful, peaceful, filled with joy, and just awesome, right? You, you'll come back absolutely glowing from that experience. We We would expect that, wouldn't you? Sometimes that's what we're thinking. L- let me just... Break that perspective, can I? Can I shatter that perspective? That is not how the preparation of the ministry happens. I hate to burst your bubble. If, if you think that ministry is just holding hands and singing kumbaya, and you know, everyone is just willing to do everything that God just uh, lays down in his word, that, that's not the way it works. It's not the way it works didn't work that way for jesus we just read how it works worked for jesus now he was immediately driven out into the wilderness this was his preparation it would have been good that the time spent with the father would have been one that did not include temptation But this was part of how Jesus identified with fallen man. And yet was sinless. Jesus fasted and prayed and did indeed spend time with the Father. But this did include being tempted personally by Satan. Jesus identified with sinful man in his baptism. And he also identified with sinful man in his temptations. He, he knows what it is to be tempted. He knows what it, what it means to be offered everything. So be careful when you're offered everything and it drives you away from the Lord. Be discerning and know that anything that drives you away from the Lord is not of the Lord. Hebrews 4.15 And this is how we know that he identifies with sinful man. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You know, sometimes I hear this. Yeah, but he's God. Yeah, but he fulfilled. He completely gave himself in this respect to walk as man does. He's fully tempted as you and I are fully tempted. He knows what it means, and yet he was without sin. You know, this is remarkable as we consider who God is, and this is the Son of God, and how it was that the Spirit had come upon him. But this was indeed the work of the Lord. How do we know that this was the work of the Lord? Because it says here, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Jesus, in every respect, knows how we are tempted because he was. In fact, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Now, I want to read this with you because... I want us all to understand that God always makes a way of escape. But I want you to see it with your own eyes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Let's stop there. Your temptation is not unique. Sometimes we make it sound as if our temptation to sin is unique. No, no one else is dealing with this. You can't possibly understand what I'm going through. And so therefore, my response to this, you cannot, you don't have anything to say about it. William Peter wrote about that too, in regards to the trials that we go through. They're not unique. I love this. I love, I, I love this personally. So I must confess, I love this because I can just look to you I can look to those around me and be ministered to. I can allow God to bring me strength, comfort, correction through you. Because you've gone through this yourself. Whatever it is that I'm going through in the moment. And therefore, I myself benefit. Because that temptation to sin in the moment... Oh, the Lord is already working through you to help me through that. And not sin. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, it's overwhelming you. That's a burden. That's heavy. God is faithful. In what way is He faithful? And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Stop. You cannot be held accountable for something you don't have the ability to do. Therefore, he will hold you accountable for falling in an area that you have the ability to overcome. By keeping your eyes fixed on the Lord and being obedient obedient to his will. His word. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You know, that is, persevere through it. The temptation he'll allow, because it serves a greater purpose. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That... My friends, is temptation dangled before you in trial? But with that trial, with that tribulation, with that difficult circumstance that you are dealing with, and you have this welling up within you, the flesh that wants to react in a way that is unfit for a child of God to respond in, guess what's right behind you? There's a little door. There's a little door. God is faithful. And he gives you a way of escape. Just instead of looking at whatever it is that's before you that's bringing you temptation. Look around. Look around because God has this this little door back there. That you can just kind of scurry on through. And go safely into. The place where God wants you. The way of escape. How we can endure temptation is by knowing Scripture and then just simply acting on it. I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter. If you go by your feelings, you'll be led astray. Remember, the heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? Our thoughts run away from us. Let us take them captive and subject them to the governance of the Word of God. Perhaps your thoughts right now, even, are going astray. It, it, it's wild how in prayer and sometimes in, in when we're going through God's word, there's these thoughts that, that come into our mind and we think, where, where did that come from? How, how did that come into my mind? Like, oh no, I need to focus on the Lord. But that is, that is how we can endure temptation. That is how we can uh, know the way of escape. And that is by knowing scripture and then acting on it, whether we feel like it or not. Turn with me again, uh, or also, to Luke chapter 4. Because we want to see the example of this, right? We're going to read through this. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1 says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil and he ate nothing during those days and when they were ended he was hungry the devil said to him if you are the son of god command this stone to become bread and jesus answered him it is written man shall not live by bread alone and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him to you i will give all this authority and their glory On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. We're done for now. But Satan said, He'll be back. This is an example we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is, this is how he endured the temptation. This is how that, that wave escape that God the Father provided because he is faithful, how it is that he took that escape route. And it was by God's word. Listen, our strength in Christ is forged in the fire. Our faith is revealed and built through trials, temptations, troubles with consistent application of the word of God. It is through that. Jesus was alone in the wilderness for 40 days. He was tempted by Satan for those 40 days. And it's kind of interesting as Mark writes that he was surrounded by not only by Satan, but he was surrounded by wild animals. Wild animals. But there were others who were with Jesus. And they were ministering to him. And these are angels. You know, um, I know that the Bible tells us that uh, who, the, who angels are and what their purpose is for you and I. You know there's a purpose for angels for, for you. To minister to you. That's interesting, right? Just as they minister to Jesus in the wilderness, so they are and can be dispatched to minister to you in your time of need. So we shouldn't dismiss angels as, oh, that's something that uh, isn't true, like uh, your guardian angel. You know, I don't know if we have a guardian angel assigned to us. But sometimes I pray that a whole army of angels is, is uh, dispatched to minister to us in time of need. All of this is to say that Jesus really wasn't alone. Remember that he was, he was driven into the wilderness. And this was the Father's will. That he be driven into the wilderness. But was he really alone? Is anything greater than God? If God is for us, who can be against us? After all, isn't Jesus our anchor behind the torn veil that we have access to, that we hold on to? We must reflect that in our own lives. How can this serve to encourage you today? Are you feeling lonely, overwhelmed? Are you tried? Feel like you're being tried? Burdened, troubled on all sides? Sometimes we feel like that. Just things are coming at us from all kinds of different directions. We we feel like, you know, as the waves are coming in, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced, you know, trying to boogie board or surf and. And, or just you're out in the water, and there's just this set of waves that come in, and, and for some reason they're bigger than the rest of them, and, and you get washed and you get put into a spin cycle you know, under the water for a while. You come back up just to take a half breath, and another wave is coming, and it hits you, and it brings you down again, and you come up again. Have any, any of you ever experienced that? I remember the first time I experienced that, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. <laughs> this is the end of my life right here. But sometimes in life, you know what, we feel like that. God said he would never leave you nor forsake you. It's not where two or three are gathered in his name that he's there and not with anyone else. In fact, if you take a look at Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered in his name has to do with judgments in situations in in life uh, addressed by the leadership of the church. Reread that. So next time you're in a time of prayer and and you're tempted to say where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst, know that he's already in your midst. (laughs) And, And you're taking that verse out of context. No, listen, God is with you. He's with you now and always will be. He is faithful. He wants to hear from you. If you are burdened and heavy laden, run to Christ, and he will give you rest and he will give you peace. He will give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. In Christ, we do not fail. As we fall, we rise up because he's the one who is the lifter of our heads. And he has these ministering spirits and he sends them out to us to minister to us also. You know, I had mentioned it, and uh, now I go to Hebrews 1.14, which says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit, inherit salvation? Again, th- this is what we have at our disposal. I, I hope that this is encouraging to you. Jesus in the wilderness and what he experienced in that moment. And there's more to come. He had all of this at his disposal. The same things that you and I have at our disposal. The faithfulness of God. Ministering spirits. These angels that are sent, dispatched for the benefit of you and I. And God himself being with us. His very word serves as the rock upon which we can confidently stand that we may know how to navigate through temptation and take that way of escape so as to not fall into the lure of that temptation and sin. Jesus knows how it is to be tempted. He can relate. But remember, He is with you and wants to show you that way of escape time and time and time again. Sometimes it's multiple situations throughout the day. But He is there and He is faithful. Know His word and apply it. So his baptism, his temptation, and number three, his ministry. Verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You know, most uh, it, as far as Jesus' ministry is concerned, most of it was spent in the area of the Sea of Galilee, in that area. And that area spread out throughout the countryside where more than 3 million people, both Jews and Gentiles. And so there were many people in that area, but that's the area that he chose uh, to minister. And, uh, and so we see how it is that Jesus' ministry started with uh, this uh, amazing baptism, uh, and then he was driven into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting and praying, and being tempted by Satan. And now we learn that his forerunner is arrested, John the Baptist. In verse 14, we begin, and now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. So there was a note there by Mark saying, Yeah, at this moment, when Jesus uh, began his ministry, John the Baptist was arrested. So what does Jesus do? He continues. What does he do? Fulfills the Father's will. Proclaims the gospel. Jesus knows that the fullness of his time has arrived. As it pertains to now his journey to the cross. From this very moment. From the moment of his baptism to the cross. But there's much work to be accomplished between the baptism in the Jordan and his shed blood on the cross at Calvary. The time is fulfilled means that this is the time, the the moment to act on. It's your moment of opportunity that has divinely been appointed to Jesus. For such a time as this, Jesus, the Son of God, was sent to do this very work. For you and I, it could mean that this is Uh, The time is fulfilled. This is a time for us. This is a moment that God has given to us to do that which blesses and glorifies Him according to His plan and purpose in our own lives. So don't let it pass. Again, I remind you throughout the Gospel of Mark, the word immediately is spoken, right? Over 40 times. Let me ask you this. When's a good time to act on God's will? Immedi- immediately. Immediately. Now, right? Not later. Now. But what if it's difficult? What, what if it's difficult? If the, the will of the Lord is, is difficult to, to act on now. Surely the Lord understands, right? No, we're a little bit more quiet on that one. No, even if it's difficult. Galatians 6 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Sometimes when life is hitting us hard, we grow weary. We've been doing good up to this point, and we grow weary. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote to the Galatians, this is the very word of God. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, season we will reap. The rewards of our faithfulness, uh, of our obedience to the Lord, we will reap. There's, there's a fruit that comes from that. These are treasures that are heaped up and, and, and just hopefully just there, kept by the Lord in, in heaven. And we will one day see them, and, and it's all going to be to our account but those are all going to serve to worship and bless Him. No one's going to be walking around with crowns on their heads. They're going to be on the, on the floor and they're going to be casting them before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But here's the key. When you are weary, when you are tired, when you are overwhelmed, don't give up. <laughs> I'll say it again since you didn't hear it. That was great timing. (laughs) You'll know all of that if you do not give up. Do not. If you hold that button for a long time, that's what happens. (laughs) Listen, Jesus knew the difficulties of life from the very beginning. And yet he persevered through them to fulfill the will of the Father. Again, we look to Jesus as our example, right? We—I we, remember this was a phrase that we would say over and over again: "What would Jesus do?" I don't see that very often anymore. But really, we should look to him for our example. What did Jesus do through the trials of life? How did he handle himself in light of the uh, of, of death and sickness? And what did he do? How did he respond? How did he fulfill the will of the Father? because he did it perfectly he preached Uh, from what I read here this is what he doesn't preach I I don't know I'm going to ask the questions did did he perhaps preach equity no social justice no critical race theory reparations Social reform, right? No, none of that, right? He said, The king- kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. A very simple message. This is what he proclaimed Repent and believe in the gospel. Whatever it is that you have been re- relying on in life, it's empty. And it will never bring you the fullness of what the Father offers through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, from the very beginning, was telling people to turn from the direction that you're going in and turn to Him. So that's what repentance means. Um, sometimes we make it to be something that it is not. I know uh, sometimes what's preached is if you want deliverance from... And this, this, is, this is a whole like list of things that uh, everyone desires to be delivered from uh, you're an alcohol uh alcoholic um, you can be delivered from alcoholism you're a drug addict you can be uh, delivered from uh drug addiction if if you are uh, uh whoever you know and the list goes on if your marriage is broken jesus can repair it if you know and that's the offer that is made right? what i'm saying with this and this is something that the lord has really um given me over and over and over as I look at Scripture, the the main message of Jesus Christ was not any of that. All those miracles were there to reveal who He was and who He is. Repent. You're going down this road here. You're going down and pursuing something that does not satisfy. You will never find contentment. In fact, it will never gain you entrance into heaven. And he said this, the kingdom of God is at hand. Remember I told you that uh, the gospel, you know, how, how do we lead people to Christ? Jesus awaits you. Jesus desires you. Jesus made the way for you to have a relationship with the Father. Therefore, turn to Him. He's saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, if you want to know God's grace, His mercy, His presence, His glory, His peace, His joy, His strength, you want to know how, what it means to be... Um, Uh, uh, what it means to have liberty in Christ, uh, what it means to be uh, broken away from the bondage of all of this and run to Christ. That's as simple as it is. Jesus, from the very beginning, was telling people to turn from the direction they were going and turn to him. Believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. Trust in, stand on, and hope in Christ Jesus. You've heard the call. Come to Jesus. What does it mean? It means to rest in the fullness of God's grace in Christ. But what this requires is that you leave from going in the direction that you're going in. Turn from your sin in order to do that. That's what it requires. We, we, we can't ask God to join us or Christ to join us in whatever it is that we want to do. It requires us to deny ourselves and turn to Christ. Do you want to know the kingdom of God? Then repent. Leave what you're living for and turn to and trust in God. Depend on him. Obey his word. Be in agreement with his word and act on it. I pray that the kindness of God is what draws you to him. And this can only happen through Jesus Christ. Knowing salvation has only happened one way from the very beginning, and that is belief in Jesus Christ. Very simply, repent and believe in the gospel. and That that was Jesus' message from the very beginning. His baptism, his temptation, his ministry. You know, William Tyndale said this, quote, And as a circumcised in the flesh, and not in the heart, have no part in God's good promises. Even so, they that be baptized in the flesh, and not in heart, have no part in Christ's blood. And Watchman Nee said, "Baptism is faith in action." You know, for for us, you know, the act of baptism is simply with the identification with us with Christ of his death, burial, and resurrection. For him, it was his identifying with sinful man, and yet he was sinless. And so we look to him, and we want to be obedient to his word. Why? Just simply because he loved us first, and our response should be that which brings glory to him and pleases him, and that is always done and never outside of walking by faith. Jesus was baptized to identify with you and calls on you to be baptized to identify with him, and, and again, his death, burial, and resurrection. And I, and I call on anyone who has not identified in that manner with him, that is a commandment of the Lord, and we, are, we should be uh, obedient to that. And so I would ask you, at the moment we announce that we're going to have a baptism, I would hope that there's many who stop praying about it. There's no need to pray about it, right? You just do it. You're baptized. Why? It's because we simply want to honor and glorify the one who reconciled us unto the Father through the shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus was tempted, but gave us an example of how to navigate through that temptation successfully. Not giving ourselves to sin. And Jesus offers the way of salvation through him. The question is for us, individually. If you have not already, do you want to know personally the hope of the kingdom of heaven? It is at hand. It is at hand and has been offered to you. So repent. Repent. And believe on Jesus Christ. John fourteen six says Jesus speaking, He says, I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Father, we thank you. Lord, that the gospel is a simple message. Father, it's a it's a message of reconciliation, of restoration. Father, I know that there are many things that burden us, but there is only one who desires to that we cast all our burdens upon, and that is you. And the only way we will know that is by repenting of our own sins and turning to you, believing on the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in Lord, casting all our cares upon you. Resting in you. Knowing that peace that surpasses all understanding. And even more, Lord, having a place in heaven, Lord. Our names, our very names written in the Lamb's book of life. And so, Father, I pray for anyone here who does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that today be the day that they they turn from their sin, Lord, and turn to you. That they stop trusting in, in this life or anything that it has to offer because it's all empty. It will never satisfy and, in, and it will never gain us entrance in, into heaven. I pray, Lord, instead that you would convict the heart, Lord, uh, of sin and also, Lord, of the very truth that you are the only way to the Father. And they run to you, knowing that you will give them a new heart, a new perspective a new joy, a new purpose in life in you. And I pray for the church, Lord, that we would be reminded of the simplicity of the gospel. Lord, that we ourselves would not complicate it. Lord, this world needs the gospel. It needs the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us boldness and confidence to declare that to others. To just testify of what you've already done in our own lives. And invite others to experience and know that for themselves. By confessing their sins to you. Turning from their sins to Jesus Christ. And know. That they have not only been forgiven. But they have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So Lord help us. Be with us. Be our comfort. Be our strength and be our joy. In Jesus' name we pray.